What's up, y'all? I got a dance deal for you, Chicago. Hubbard Street Dance heats up the Harris Theater stage with its spring series of joy next week. Now, this is some of the most dynamic, cutting-edge contemporary dance made by the world's leading choreographers right here in Chicago. I'm excited for Echoes of Our Ancestors by Maria Torres, among other creators. But you can only catch it for three performances between May 17th and May 19th. Luckily, CityCast Chicago listeners can get tickets in any section for 20% off using code CityCast online or over the phone. Visit HubbardStreetDance.com for details and use code CityCast. Today on CityCast Chicago, we all got them mortifying stories we don't want anyone to know. But instead of burying those deep, deep down, author and humorist Samantha Irby has made a whole career out of using her bathroom disasters and horrific dating stories to make us laugh. Her new essay collection, Quietly Hostile, is out today, and she tells me how Chicago's lit scene shaped her and how you turn personal horror stories into comedy gold. And you know Sam keeping it real today, so this one's definitely got some colorful language. It's Tuesday, May 16th. I'm Jacoby Cochran, and this is what Chicago's talking about. Sam, welcome to CityCast. Thank you for having me. This is so nice. No, you are so nice, which <laughs> honestly, if someone just read your writing, they might think that you are, you might not be approachable, but again, from all the interviews I've had, you are, I mean, just like your writing, you are so open, so forthright, so damn funny. And, and so it, it really is a privilege. I first came to your work via your hilarious uh, and very real blog, Bitches Gotta Eat, right? Uh <laughs> Man, you, you, you are an OG. Uh-huh. Some people don't even know that I had that blog. It, it feels like, I mean, with that, your your presence in Chicago's live lit scene uh, is where so many of the, the genesis of the these books come from. Mm-hmm. You know, you recently described the entirety of your work as like oversharing. What can people expect when they pick up one of your essays or one of your books? Well, they can expect to do an instant deep dive into my various neuroses. Um, <laughs> they can expect a lot of swear words. I'm getting I'm getting a little less sweary as I get older. I think that like old black people conservatism is creeping in. You know what I mean? Like where it's like not conservative, but it's like how your dad is, where he's like. I'll vote for, I'll read the Sun-Times and vote for the Democrat, but pull your pants up. It's like that. <laughs> I would never tell anyone to pull my their pants up, but like inside I'm pulling up my own pants. The, the curmudgeon is solidifying. Yes. Yeah. But I still am like, like I'm nice and I'm like happy to meet people mm-hmm. and all that stuff. But still like deep down, I'm a mean old man. Um, and what else? And they can expect like, a lot of potty humor, a lot of toilet jokes and body stuff that and that that's not just like toilet jokes as a metaphor. You really mean talking about <laughs> taking I, shits. I really in mean in the car on dicks on the side of the road. Yes, just, you know. I really mean that. Like my book is like spreading my ass cheeks and shooting <laughs> hilarious <laughs> diarrhea <laughs> all over. 
Yeah, I mean, that's like, that's an honest assessment mm-hmm. of my work. Mm-hmm. It really is. I mean, you get into relationships. You get into what it was like to lose your parents early. You get into what it means to grow. I mean, one of your early collections just is this, you know, I'm 30 now. And these are all of the things that I'm working on, not working on, dealing with. I mean, it's been... 10 years since your first collection, Meaty Drop, the original drop. What did you learn from that process? You know, why, why did you want to talk about these outrageous, intense and deeply personal stories? Well, I think I think starting out like blogging and having kind of like a community, right? Like of people who were like reading my stuff, it like felt very safe. And at first, I mean, I started my blog to impress this dude, right, that I wanted to uh, think I was interesting. And he did, and we dated, and it was whack. And so, like, after that, I was like, oh, forget it. I don't need to write anymore. Like, mission accomplished. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, but my friends, like, made me keep blogging. And, like, I think, you know, when you're in your own little echo chamber, and like you're meeting people and you're like making friends over the internet. It was like, uh, it felt like that was the payment or the reward for like being honest. And then like once, once you kind of take the lid off, it feels uh, like disingenuous to go back. Like one, once I'm like being like, listen, I had sex with this person and I got diarrhea on him, <laughs> you can't walk that back. You know what I mean? Mm. I can't be acting mm. like demure after that, right? <laughs> I can't be like, mm, like coquettish, like, no, I'm not gonna talk about that. So it's like, you know, once I realize like nothing bad happens mm-hmm. and also like maybe people understand, maybe people in my own life understand me better and like, you know, I get the the response from people who are like, I see myself or I've never heard anyone talk about the same thing I'm going through publicly. Like that's sort of like the drumbeat that keeps me going, right? That like people enjoy it and people relate to it. I mean, I remember going through media and like with most of your writing, some of these lines, they just grab you, right? An essay starts off like, I was 19 and lived in a fucking crack house. One <laughs> chapter is called, sorry, I shit on your dick. There are stories, <laughs> recipes, list of to-dos and don't self-deprecation. Are there any things that are off limits in your writing? I don't reveal other people's secrets, right? Like, I would never reference anyone in a book without their permission or knowledge, unless it's like, you know, somebody I don't fuck with anymore. And then it's like, well, (laughs) I'll give you a different name. Uh, (laughs) But like, Fuck you. I'm I'm writing about this. I mean, honestly, like the practical thing is like, I don't want to get my publisher sued, right? Like that's uh, crazy. And I just don't want to damage the trust anyone has in me and our friendship if I'm like, oh, you told me this big secret. Well, I figured out a way to like make it really hilarious for people who aren't you. And I put it in a book behind your back. I don't do that. And like, anything like I have some deep like wounds 
that have not healed that I won't like pour salt in on the page, right? Because like it feels painful to me. So there are some things that I that I keep just for just for me and my brain at like 2 a.m. when I can't sleep and it's time to like think of all the reasons why I'm terrible. (laughs) (laughs) Those things I keep to myself. Are you self-conscious about your smile? Do you only allow yourself a closed mouth grin? Well, with Aligner Experts, there's no reason for you to diminish your smile. As orthodontists, they have the privilege of witnessing the remarkable transformation of patients' smiles, which often translates into a profound boost in their confidence. Yet, there always seems to be a deterrent. I ain't got the time, I don't have the funds. Luckily, Aligner Experts is redefining convenient and accessible clear aligner solutions. With customizable treatments, transparent pricing, and their cutting edge 3D scanners and dental monitoring technology, you can transform your smile through the convenience of your own schedule. Stop in at their West Loop or Lakeview Clinic today for your complimentary smile assessment. Aligner Experts, your destination for advanced clear aligner solutions. P.S. They got another clinic on the way, so stay tuned for their Old Town location. I think one of the things I really appreciate in talking to you and listening to you is you're not trying to like figure out is this the same person who wrote these essays, right? You you might see, you might read a novel or you might watch a movie or a piece of television and then you see the writer and you're like, oh, I wonder how they came up with that, right? You are true and true. And I think because of that, so many of us relate to your writing also because I think, you know, we we felt some of these embarrassments. We mm-hmm. we live with that voice inside of our head just sort of playing our, our most embarrassing moments on a reel. Mm-hmm. Would you advise younger writers and storytellers to also mind these experiences in a way? I would if it's comfortable for them. Mm. I think like maybe my first piece of advice when writing about yourself is, I mean, not that I'm all knowing, but truly do not put anything out in the world that you couldn't handle being like broadcast on CNN, right? Mm. So I would say if you're writing about yourself to really make sure that it's the kind of thing that you can handle other people knowing like sometimes I forget about like the things I've put in books and someone will say something (laughs) and I'm like oh my god oh yeah oh yeah yeah I did say that okay Mm -hmm, let's talk about it but I think part of what uh, has driven my work is that it feels to me now who knows whether like it really has worked out this way in my brain But it feels like getting these things out and having other people relate to them sort of like alleviates some of the deep well of shame that I carry around. And I feel like other people, it's got to free something in them too, right? Mm -hmm. Like if we're talking about it, and I think we we as like human beings like do each other a disservice by not talking about some of the tough stuff like i understand the like oh i'm on my grind and you know like all that i get it 
but it doesn't help someone who's like not doing that great and feeling yeah. alone. And so I do think like we all benefit from telling each other exactly what the fuck is going on. Cause it can, when you have a problem or you have a feeling, it can feel like so lonely and it's just, it's like good to know that someone else is out there like feeling the same horrible thing you're feeling. So you feel mm -hmm. less alone. I, and like, really, we can't all be like analysts. We can't all be journalists. Like there are some people who just have to like chronicle the human experience. And so if you feel like moved to do that, I think they, I think people should. I mean, mm -hmm. honestly, like you are an endless source of material, right? Like your life and, I mean, the bonus, and this is why I do it, you don't have to do any research. You just <laughs> write whatever it's, you whether want. It's your, whether it's <laughs> what you've been diagnosed with, whether it's your relationship with your parents, whether it's thousands of people watching your daily chronicles of Judge Mathis. Uh, it, it, it really, you really play to your interests. One excerpt from your newest essay collection from an essay called please invite me to your party uh, and it's the closing i don't feel bad sharing this with people not only because the book is is out but you also shared this in a in a essay that you published mm -hmm. this is how it goes so you invite me right you're going to text me the address and your favorite brand of tequila, right? I need to be invited more than anything I've ever needed in my life because trust me, I really am great at a party. Seriously, though, invite me. I'm the greatest party guest there is, especially since I won't come. <laughs> right? It feels like as somebody who is both an oversharer, unapologetically themselves, you also openly talk about, like you said, dealing with shame, with isolation and depression, you know, how do you continue to like track forward when it, it feels at times that you're living what may feel like a, a contradiction, this desire to be so open and yet this desire to, you know, one of your books. We're not meeting in real life. That's one of the reasons <laughs> I share this because I don't want to meet you people. You know, uh, you know, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I I mean, I think it comes down to like I have, you know, jokes and talents or whatever that I would like to give to the world but it, it, and that to me is different from like my physical body having to be in a place right because that's what I don't want like I am you know I am uncomfortable in my skin always I am always like extremely self-conscious and I don't feel like publicly I'm like as smooth or effortless as like I want to be and so like the difference to me is like yeah I would if I could like just send my brain I don't know maybe my head <laughs> out into the world then that would be great but because like the rest of me has to come with it I just I am never like relaxed uh, in public. I sometimes don't even feel relaxed at home. I'm, I'm a huge part of Chicago's current live lit and, and storytelling scene. And so you are, you still an OG in these streets. I'm telling oh, you. Uh, well, that makes my, I, first of all, I'm so glad because wasn't a lot of brown 
faces doing mm, this. Grown folks stories wasn't that huge. Uh, I you know, know. Uh, as I know. it is now. Yeah. It was hard being like one of the like three people of color doing it. So I'm so glad. And men, I mean, a man reading his feelings, rare, beautiful mm-hmm. diamond. I'm so glad. A black man, I mean, come on. It's your incredible. They, they're I'm out so, here. More, I'm more so and more thrilled. Are, more and more are coming to the scene. Oh, good. Uh, my my last question to you before I let you go, Sam. I know you're living in Michigan now, but you're doing an event with a great friend of ours at WBZ, Greta, mm-hmm. the homie and the host of Nerdette. Uh, you know, what does it mean to not only be back in Chicago? I know you're originally from Evanston, but just how important is the Chicagoland area to your career, your work? Oh, my God. I mean, the most important, I... Like, I don't have a college degree, which is a hang-up of mine that you will uh, be intimately familiar with (laughs) if you read my stuff, because I can't get over feeling dumb. So my education is from Evanston Township High School. You know what I mean? And, like, it was enough for me to go out in the world and know a lot and be able to carry myself and handle, like, mm. like manage, uh, like, I became the manager at the bakery where I worked and all that kind of stuff. So, like, Evanston is extremely important to me because it made me who I am. And I worked in downtown Evanston for, like, 15 years. And Chicago in general, I mean, Rogers Park, my, I lived there for 20 years, right? It's like... In my DNA, like when I get to Chicago, I, like I feel like I'm at home. And it it took like moving away for me to really feel that like the first time, the first time I, I came home and I still call it home. The first time I came home, I was like, oh, all this traffic. We don't have this in, in Kalamazoo. But then like immediately after that, it was like, oh, I don't need directions. I don't need the GPS. I know where all my stuff is. Now, some of the things I loved have closed, but like, this is my town. Everyone I love, I mean, almost everyone I love is in Chicago, right? And I mean, the live lit community is how I originally put out a book. Like the first meaty (laughs) came about because I was reading at the Sunday night sex show, rest in peace. And the dudes who ran Curbside Splendor were like, we see you perform here. We've read your blog. Just do a book with us. You don't even have to tell us what's going to be in it. You write whatever you want. And like, <laughs> that's, we'll put a book out. And they did. And like, what is my career without that? You know what I mean? Like, it was really mm. like kind of grassrootsy. Um, and like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be who I am. I don't think if I hadn't been from Chicago. And who you are is the one and only writer, humorist, and now the author of her newest essay collection, Quietly Hostile, available now. Samantha Irby, thank you for stopping by City Cash Chicago. This has truly made my week. Oh, my God. Well, you just made my week. Thank you for having me. This was a dream.
Before I let you go, a little bit of news, y'all. State lawmakers are set to tackle a packed agenda in the last week of the spring legislative session, including unresolved budget issues, a proposal to help the Bears move out of town to the burbs, ethics reforms, and possible funding for the growing number of asylum seekers in Chicago. The Sky opened their season this Friday on the road against the Minnesota Lynx. Yeah, it was a tough offseason for the team that lost four of their five starters, including the champs, Courtney Vandersloot and Candace Parker. And some good news. Chicago Cabaret Week continues tonight at City Winery near Fulton Market with a great performance from Lynn Jordan and the Shivers. For a full schedule of events this week, see the show notes. As always, we appreciate you for listening. Make sure you're following along with the best damn newsletter in this city. Hey, Chicago. Subscribe now at chicago.citycast.fm. And please rate and review the podcast wherever you listen. Helps more people find CityCast. I'm going to talk to y'all bright and early tomorrow. Please join me. Peace. And she bought the one ply kind. I was like, uh, I, yeah, I'm oh like, bitch, I'm not a vagrant. I need luxury <laughs> uh, butt wipes. Get out of here. That was like the only time when I met someone in a signing line where I was like, I don't know how to fight, but I would try <laughs> to fuck you up if I could <laughs> get like, out of here with Do you that. read all the problems my ass creates for me? You think <laughs> I'm just disrespecting it? One plus, I don't want a ass cheeks full of crumbs. Like, <laughs> all you have is just like dingle, dingleberries of tissue paper in between your butt cheeks. Like, Charmin <laughs> Strong or get the fuck out. <laughs>